So in 2020, what happened that went really well in 2020? You know, where on the personal side, where did you really hit your goals? What worked out well? What were some of the bright spots? Hey everybody, welcome back to CISO Life. Brian Hoagley here, brought to you by Side Channel. It's 2021, we're ready to do some new things. One of the top questions I know we're gonna have, I'm gonna have, you're gonna have, a lot of people are gonna be asking themselves and we're gonna need to find some answers is, what should CISOs be thinking about outside of security? What are they going to be looking at within themselves? How are they gonna prepare for the year to be better managers, leaders, and just how are they gonna improve themselves to be better executives? Because that's the role, folks. The first C in CISO, well, the only C in CISO stands for chief. So if you're sitting there at the boardroom and you're looking to do something a little bit better, step up your game, boy, do I have a guest for you to listen to. I wanna welcome into the CISO Life studio, Christine Bellotti-Peterson of Longview Consulting. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm excited to be here today. Ah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, any chance I get to talk to you, I, I love. Um, so little transparency as a background, uh, Christine and I used to work together uh, where she was the Chief Human Resources Officer at an insurance company that I was the Chief Information Security Officer at. And I learned quite a bit uh, working uh, with her um, in that role and learning. Uh, it was actually my first corporate role after I left the DOD. So um, I got to know Christine and she's gone on to do some great things. And she is now uh, underneath her own uh, tacked up, as I've learned, people just call tacking up your own shingle uh, and running Longview. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Longview and your clientele and the problems you're helping those people solve. Thanks so much, Brian. Yeah, so I've been in the human resource world for 30 years. So I started at Corn Ferry International doing routine search for chief information officers, chief technology officers, um, et cetera. And then I went into corporate and I ran the recruiting organization, the executive talent management, and uh, ran HR for a couple businesses at an insurance company. And then uh, that's after I met you now, then becoming the CHRO. I left and three years ago started Longview because my favorite part of the role was executive coaching. And I've been working with the C-suite level and uh, advising them both on personal and professional achievements, you know, how to really be a strong performer and maximize how they work with their people, how to get the best results through people as a leader. Mm. So that's background. And um, I work in both the corporate side and in the entrepreneurial world with individuals and small businesses. And right now, basically every session that I'm working on is focused on helping people set themselves up to have a fantastic 2021. That's a good goal. I mean, considering. 2020 probably wasn't the greatest for a lot of folks. It was a lot of lot going on. People had to move things around, move their priorities around. If you you know who moved my cheese kind of thing probably was it like an everyday battle for most folks. Um, so if as you're kind of looking at 2021 for people and working with them, you know our audience is a lot of security professionals, new CISOs, um, or even current CISOs who are looking to grow and just be better executives. 
what what type of you know exercises or advice are you really pushing people towards and, and how are you shaping uh their thinking to make a better 2021 yes i mean i start the process off with um all about reflection so in 2020 what happened that went really well in 2020 you know where on the personal side where did you really hit your goals what worked out well what were some of the bright spots mm. and so um you know where do you need to do some adjustments because things didn't go so well um you know last year was a very stressful year for people um health was a big item on the personal goals list so a lot of people um, either fared really well during the pandemic because they had time to work out and cook at home and things like that. Other people, not so much, you know, drinking increased and eating increased and people that normally went to a gym didn't. So, for example, on the personal development side, a lot of people want to stay healthy for mm. 2021 and get healthier. Um, on the professional side, for example, you know, I really saw leaders that were truly able to pivot and adapt were the ones that fared the best last year. And let's face it, every single person, you know, in the world had to pivot and adapt for a variety of reasons. So, um, yeah, the first step in the process, I would say, is really taking a look and reflecting at what went well and what didn't go so well in 2020 on the personal professional side. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to the next step in the process. So after reflection, it's all about setting setting goals, mm -hmm. right? And I have people pick three to five personal goals and three to five professional goals to really concentrate on. And this was another success tip from what we learned from 2020. Those that wrote down their goals and assessed them quarterly and really adjusted where they needed, they were hyper-focused on results. And then they intentionally put their time into what really mattered most during this um, massive change and transition that occurred. And so the goal-setting aspect of kicking off the year to help maximize is really, really important. Yeah. I've heard that too. And I, and I, I love that you stressed that point. I've, I've tried to do that. And I know years I have written down my goals. I've more of a, more of a uh, percent chance that I've actually done them <laughs> versus the other times when I have, and I'm like, Oh no, I know I want to do that. And it, it doesn't follow through. So that's good. So writing down your goals and you're saying three to five personal and professional goals. Yes. And on the personal side, going back to health for an example, um, one of the things I recommend is people really write down the top 10 self-care items for them. Mm. And this is really hard, right? Because your CISOs out there, your very um, ambitious executives, it's really usually the last thing on their list is taking some time for themselves. Sure. Right? And what they don't realize, and we know this because all the research shows it, and I've seen it every day in my practice, those individuals that maximize what self-care means to them are the most successful executives out there. Hmm. So you so, think, oh, sorry. When you're working hard and you've got so much on your plate, right. a really ambitious person, the last thing they do is 
hold on, I got to go home and work out, right? right? You know, or I have to stop to eat, or I really should be drinking water all day, even though I have, you know, Zoom calls every hour. Um, but it, it's really true. The people that know what self-care is for them and they, you know, incorporate massages into their schedule. They incorporate time with family and friends. They incorporate working out and they really know what fills them up and recharges them again. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that, you know, maintain that positive mindset, motivation. They're really mindful about what they need. And again, those are the people that are higher performers. Hmm. So if you don't take care of yourself, there's there's less of a chance that you're going to be able to take care of others or really exceed or excel at your in your role. That makes sense. I mean, I feel that probably on an ongoing basis. Like if I miss lunch or I, you know, I try to block off noon to one every day to eat lunch. Um, my wife really pushes me to not even eat lunch at my desk. You know, if I but I and I know on days that if I have lunch after one o'clock, like my meetings in the afternoon go differently. Like I am a, not feeling as well. So, but you're saying even like the long-term effects of not doing self-care, not just, you know, daily, but just overall, it, it's going to add up and it's going to negatively impact your overall performance to be really a high performing leader. I have people think about it like this, the higher your stress level is, the more self-care you need to balance it out. Right. And so, um, and, and that's so counterintuitive to people that work really hard, right? Right. Really focused on their work or really want to meet all their goals. Sometimes, sometimes putting a pause or taking a break actually is the catalyst for higher performance than just trying to push through it every single day. Yeah. This is going to be tough for a lot of people out there. <laughs> it is. Is I know it requires discipline and healthy habits, and um, so the next step in the process, we said reflection, right? Then, then writing down your your vision and your goals. The next step is really putting an action plan together around each one of those goals that you put in. So I really have people start with what are the top three things they could do in Q1 to move that goal forward. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, like this shouldn't take a long time. This is like sitting down for an hour or having a zoom call with me for an hour and going through all this, getting it organized. And then what we do is we take this action plan and we put a very intentional time management system together. So people literally set up their calendar in January, color coding all the key important priorities and actions. And let's just say you had three uh, professional goals in your calendar, there would be three colors. And these are all the action items you're doing on a week, daily, weekly, monthly basis to achieve that goal by the end of Q1. Hmm. So it's again, it's a very, it's a structured and disciplined process, which we're constantly tweaking and adjusting to again, focus on what is it you need to do to be successful this year. Right. Okay. Wow. This, um, anybody who follows along with governance, risk, and compliance in the security space, this should sound exactly like what your governance structure should look like for your company. It's just for yourself, right? You, you need to stay on top of it. You need to actually write down what your goals are. You need to review them. 
right? You need to update them. You need to maintain them. If it's not being measured, it's it's not going to be met. So wow, this is a uh, you know it's 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 funny. Like I'm sitting here going, wow, this this is all like really intuitive. Like this is this completely makes common sense. And like I I get this, and yet I don't do any of it. Like <laughs> I I I do components, but like I. I'm like, wow, yeah, obviously I need to be doing that because when I've done it, it works, but I'm not consistent. And that's that sounds like that's the key piece is you're able to drive with your clients the consistency and staying on top of these goals so that they can be better, right? That's that's kind of how I'm viewing, you know, w- working with you would be like, okay, you're going to keep me honest on these I, things. Right. But also what we're going to do next, though, is if you have a team of people, you know, that you're delegating to, we're going to cascade this process to your um, leaders Mm. so they can maximize their results through people. And then clearly you're doing a better job coaching on the most important priorities because your priorities should link to theirs Mm -hmm. and on down the line. So this is a great process for the leader to be set up with. And then for them to really ask their leadership team to do the same thing. So everyone is on the same page, marching to uh, the same goals. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, wow, this is really good. (laughs) I'm really glad this conversation went this way because this is, I think this is really insightful for folks watching the things that they're probably overlooking. Because if I'm one to believe that like if one person in a room has a question, other people in the room have a question. I'm sitting here realizing that this is something that should be followed. I could be doing a better job at. I know other people watching this now are going, yeah, that's that's me too, right? <laughs> that's great. Very so good. this is how I kick off a, a coaching session with a new executive. I have them do um, a Hogan assessment so I really understand their personality. Mm-hmm. And, and then we talk about their goals. And than the team goals. And what happens once you really understand what is someone trying to accomplish, then there are, those are the what that people want to deliver, right? Right. By the end. And then as they're um, taking actions to achieve those goals, what comes into place is the how, right? So the how is what is the second component of what we weave into my executive coaching program, because what happens when you try to then have a conversation with someone on your team about goals and something's going awry, or you realize you don't have the right talent in place to achieve the goal that mm. you need to, or, um, you know, there, there's a, a client situation or a personal conflict. Those are all the other things that kind of come up along the way. Mm-hmm. But again, know your what then you figure out the how and that's really um to the end game of what is the bottom line result that we want to happen here by the end of 2021 how do we get really honed in on that and just some some examples of what tends to come up is you know leadership challenges communicating with people conflict arising um What's coming up for you, Brian, when you think about the the how side of, you know, how do CISOs deliver strong performance, for example? Yeah, um, I mean, either from my past or now, um, 
how we are probably helping, even helping companies who fully have brought us in. Like C, we have a lot of CEOs and CTOs and, and heads of legal who bring us into their company because they realize that cyber is a risk. But then still, even after we, you know, we win them as a client, we start doing work, still then making them fully understand how much security risk exists within the organization. They might have just kind of notionally said, ah, we know we need to do this. Let's bring in the right people. But then they still even from there need to be better, like they still need a better understanding of what those risks actually are, what appropriate means are to address them, and how long it's honestly going to take. Some people just think that the second we show up, it's like, oh, good, now we're done. We have this person that's going to be smooth. It's like, no, no, there's going to be some work. You might have to change culture inside of your company. You might have to change a massive, a major process inside of how you develop software. You might need to move to a different cloud instance because your current, you know, means aren't going to, aren't going to be able to like let you get to where you need to go. That takes a lot of time, right? And that's just a lot of communication and um, influence from CISOs or virtual CISOs to the clients, to the leadership. So that's the biggest how that I think we, you know, fall into in, in what we do with consulting. I see that a lot. Um, I loved when you said the word influence, because that is the first word that came to my mind as well. It's um, depending upon the CISO's style and um, interpersonal capabilities, mm -hmm. right? I do a lot of work in the technology field with people who are sometimes high introverts, right? Sometimes have high social anxiety. So the method of communication is what we're working on. What is, what is best and how to communicate. And sometimes there's a lot of stuff going inside. There's a lot of gremlins of the person and that's impeding or giving some noise in terms of the delivery and the how and being confident in sharing that perspective and influencing others. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that most technical people have to overcome is not coming off too technical because we're trying to usually influence business decision makers. And, you know, right or wrong on stereotypes, if you believe that most business folks don't understand, you know, tech and vice versa, you kind of go into any of those situations trying to not fit into either of those stereotypes. So chances are IT or whoever's on the IT or the cybersecurity side is going to be going to have to be the first one to try to bridge that gap, to not talk technical, to talk in business terms so that they understand that. And that's definitely something I've run into. I know I've lived through. Uh, you, you probably watched me <laughs> do that when we worked together at one point. And I know a lot of people that I talk to, that is a number one fear or just concern of theirs is how do I not come across as just this technical expert how can I actually meet people where they are and talk to them in their language? Most importantly, the work is around the relationship building aspect and, and the education and what is really the roadshow of what you're trying to accomplish. Mm. There's probably a education that needs to go into it. And let's face it, people are influenced by people they like to talk to. Right. Right. So it's that likability factor, it's how you're talking about it, it's getting to know the person on the other side and thinking like, what's in it for them? 
you know, what do they really care about and how deep technically do you need to go? How do you share your expertise? Um, but, but most important is how do I build relationships with people that I have to influence? Right. So no, that makes sense. How on the, you know, the C-suite level of the technology space that I work in. Um, I'll give you another example. I had a, a CIO who was also um, the CTO until she hired another another talent recently. And she was a really smart, very successful lady. She went into a company that was super high relationship oriented. Nothing happened mm. without relationship. And, you know, she was really happy working independently in her office, sending texts and emails. Right. Right. And so what what was really needed is to build more relationships. So we had to do a whole stakeholder map and plan and come up with a relationship and communication plan for all of the different people. You know, there's so many different people. It's communicating down mm -hmm. to your team or people you're delegating to your peers, you know, to the board sometimes. And each one has a really unique um, style to them. So right. we go through, we, we put that plan together. Let me, let me ask you a, a, your opinion on this. It's something that I've done. I found it was useful, but I've gotten feedback from other C-suite folks that they might not recommend it or they didn't view it too, too well. So I've always been a big proponent of eating lunch with kind of engineering, you know, one, two, three levels down, right? And, and, and I've always believed that some of the smartest people and if you ever want, if you're a cyber pro and you go into a corporate in, uh, environment, one of the, the biggest groups of people with the most amount of knowledge are the database administrators, people who really, you know, these folks, honestly, any current infrastructure is supported by databases. These folks understand really where all the data is within an organization. I've always made a real effort in any organization I've worked at to go sit down and eat lunch with these people, right? Anybody in this role, if it's a one person group, if it's a multi-team group, Really get to know them because they, as a cybersecurity professional, they're the f a first and really solid glimpse into kind of where all the bodies really of, of risk buried within the organization. But they don't ever report to or report up through the, C uh, the CISO. They traditionally port to the CIO. You know, you talk about, you know, influencing to the side and down through your team. But what about kind of kitty corner? or, you know, uh, to, to you, the engineers and the folks who are reporting under your peers, getting to know their staff, what, what kind of recommendations or have you seen that work or, or don't work taking that approach? Is it, is it, is it worth it? Well, um, I have never seen it be a bad thing. Okay. Right. Well, that's good. Some organizations or positions require it because that's the only way you're going to be successful. Others, it's more of like whipped cream. You know what I mean? Because the more you know, the more relationships you have, the more information, it helps you figure out what your strategy needs to look like, how to get things done sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had in, in one case, I had somebody who was really trying to get people at all levels to understand what they were trying to do because it was a new, um, it was a new area. And so the only way things got funded there is if people understood what they were doing with the money. 
So, you know, whenever I do an executive onboarding, somebody's walking into a new role or has a new challenge, the first month is just talking to as many people as possible, sometimes the first three months, because that's the only way to figure out what the job really is mm -hmm. and what it to be done to get it to happen, mm. right? Walk into a new role, you've got your interview conversations and you've got a job spec and a general understanding of how, how this might work. When you walk into the company, the first three months is figuring out what the job really is. Right. What no one knew or no one told you, or it was nuance, or this is, you don't really know this until you're sitting inside the company. It's that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's really the time that those kind of conversations can be really helpful because the next step is putting together that strategy, but also understanding how to execute this, which you, you know, you're probably more in the weeds and the details early on in a new job first, you know, month six through 12. Hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thinking back, uh, if I had gone back to probably any of my last few larger uh, executive level roles, I would have done the th first three months differently based on what I know now. <laughs> the first three months is really important because it's a little bit of the honeymoon stage, right? It mm -hmm. used to be a three month honeymoon stage. It's kind of reduced in time in most companies now. You know, some people are happy if they have two weeks of a honeymoon now. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's there's pretty low expectations in the beginning like people know you're new and you're just figuring these things out so you have a little bit of a of leeway right and it's really all about figuring out what questions to ask everybody mm -hmm. you don't have to tell anybody anything early you know what you do have to know is what questions to ask what rocks to look under and what you know making sure you're going through you know, the critical list of these are all the things I have to figure out. Hmm. Solid. So setting up a listening tour. Got it. And ask, ask the right questions. Christine, thanks a lot for talking to us. This is incredibly valuable. I think I'm definitely going to take you up on uh, uh, setting these out, personal pro professional goals. I, I, I love how you've broken this down. Um, any parting words uh, uh, or, you know, summary of kind of, what you've seen and how to how people should be thinking about getting ready for 2021? Absolutely. So um, first of all, I'd like to give your listeners a complimentary offer. So I know my um, contact information will probably be on here. If anybody wants to do a complimentary 2021 set yourself up for success goal session, I'd be happy to make that happen. And you know, as they think about it, and I have a template that I could send people in advance, you know, first we focus on reflection, reflect on what went well, not so well in 2020. Second, we talk about the long-term vision. You know, what's the big life goal? What's the big plan here? And then we set three to five personal and professional goals for the year. So we get very honed on how are we going to spend our time on what's going to maximize success in 2021. We put an action plan and a timeline together. Um, we talk about motivation and mindset and what are some of the things that can accelerate success? What are some of the derailers? 
And most importantly, we then, after we have the what, we go through the how. And how is this person going to maximize success? So again, would love to help people set themselves up for the year. I know the people that have been most successful through the pandemic, through 2020, were people that were major focused on their goals and um, were able to intentionally pivot and adjust and change their timeline and their goals to maximize all the opportunities coming at them in 2020 and all the challenges. Nice. Well, so th I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Christine. Be sure to check out uh, Longview Consulting. All of her information will be linked down below. Thank you so much for uh, the offer to everyone here uh, on a console. I think that's great. Definitely take it up. Hey, everyone be safe. We're out of 2020, but we're now starting in 2021. So get your goals set up, get some things going on. Welcome back to the CISO life. Follow us along, hashtag CISO life or anywhere in social media land that you can find us or you just are. So again, Christine, thank you again. I'm Brian Hoagley with Side Channel. Take care.